In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet that results are predetermined just like this air quote sport we cover. I am your host, Detective Mark Sparks, and I'm joined by my partner in crime fighting, District Attorney Vincent K. Fabe. What's going on, man? How are you? Literally, we have never predetermined our results of the podcast ever. You you realize now that I put it out there as an option, no one's gonna believe you. I know that's fine. It isn't predetermined, folks. Ah, uh, that's what you would say. That's what you would say if you were predetermined. Absolutely, just like Vince does. <laughs> also joining us, our brother from up north, RCMP JLB. What's going on? Whatever I say ain't predetermined. You cannot ever know what I'm about to say because I barely even know half the time what I am saying. I'm good, guys. I should have scripted that better. (laughs) (laughs) Straight up. Um, Just going off that, but I'm good, guys. You know, still same old, same old. Social distancing, wearing that damn mask, uh, washing those damn hands, and uh, taking a shower every once in a while. You know, that's that's, that's it. We hired WWE writers to write our script. That's That's why it sounds so bad. (laughs) Uh, that's why it changes. Yeah, it's why it changes yeah. last minute, and and we don't talk like people actually talk. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> talks like that. <laughs> I'd like to remind everyone that Raw and Order WBU is part of the Tatnus Co Podcast Network. So once you are done listening to this episode, and of course liking, sharing, and subscribing, you can head over to tatnusco.com and check out the other shows on the network, and then come back here and listen to our next episode. So, we don't have a pay-per-view to cover. Last week we had to uh, cover the horror shit show. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this week, uh, we just got some regular regular old wrestling to cover. So, how about we just kind of get straight into it and and go over crimes? Who wants to go first? I'll be happy to. Okay. DA Fave, what you got? Alright, so um, my crime is... If you're starting to push a wrestler, don't ruin the push of another wrestler. I alluded to this earlier, as you would attest, Mr. Smarks, when we were on the phone. Um, I like Karrion Cross a lot. I really, really do. Karrion Cross was even allowed to really kind of have his squash over Bronson Reed. That was fine. What I'm not okay with is having him squash Dominic Dijakovic. This is a guy that was just in content. It's the last person to beat Keith Lee. Oh, He's snap. the last person to beat the current NXT champion in a one-on-one match. And you just had Kyrian Cross annihilate him. At least make it look like a match. That's all I gotta yeah. say. I mean, when you're doing a push with these outsiders coming in, I understand that Kyrian Cross is awesome. I love him. Do not, by all means, have him squash lots of people. Have him squash Roderick Strong. Have him squash Bobby Fish. Have him squash Damian Priest if you want, who didn't beat Keith Lee. Um, but Dominic Dijakovic just had a six to eight month 
push at the same time as Keith Lee's push was, and that's and and that's the match he gave us. Not that it was a bad match. It wasn't very long because it was a squash. But isn't that why he's also going to be facing uh, Keith Lee at uh, thirty at uh, Takeover Thirty? Sure, you can even call it a, a number. Uh, you know, a, 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 a like number, number one contenders match and whatnot. But that doesn't mean that it's it's the right movie. Here's the deal: all of the momentum Dijakovic has now, even if, so, one of the things Smart said to me when I asked, "Why did they do that?" and I just asked why they did it. I didn't say it was going to be my crime for the night or anything like that. Of course, it's all pre-recorded, so good job, Smarks. Predetermined stuff. Predetermined. <laughs> anyway, um, writers now. Yeah, yeah, I do, obviously. <laughs> Um, but I, I'm not saying that what the, that the move wasn't right. I mean, carrying cross is probably, probably the fourth hottest thing in, in, uh, WWE right now. Um, fourth hottest character in WWE right now, but damn it. <laughs> like, it's and just rough. That's the problem though too, right? Cause it seems like every time they get a new guy and they want to push them, like it's, it's not just, it's, it's a WWE thing in general because they do that with, I remember when they were doing that for Rowan. I remember when they did that for Braun. They just squashed everybody and no one really cared. Tozawa, of course, was always the main culprit of getting squashed within those guys. I don't guys. know. There was a lot of a guy who just went for the um, Universal Championship, just had a match for the Universal Championship, taking losses to up-and-comers. Yeah. I mean, it's, Bobby yeah, Roode annihilated Dolph Ziggler. Bobby Roode, who we don't get to see anymore, annihilated Dolph Ziggler. Oh, it just doesn't make sense to me. I, I that, that whole pushing it that way, um, you know, especially when you do it against jobbers, but I guess, okay, when you do it to Jack, uh, I can never pronounce his name, but when, when you do it to a guy like that who literally just came back, it's it's silly. It's stupid. And that's why I completely agree with the crime. Um, again, I, I see where they're going to go with it. They're going to say, well, this is why he's going to face Keith Lee because uh, Jakovic was the last person to have beaten sure. him. But it just makes it just makes him completely look like trash though and now what are you gonna do with him and i feel like they've 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 done it for so much man they've just made him this monster and just squash squash have decent wrestling matches where he wins and maybe towards the end he kind of gets like an ultimate crazy win or whatever have you but i'm done with this stupid all right i'm just gonna kill you and crush you and that's it you're done like it makes your talent look horrible yeah, the the only way that that works, and, and I really think it's only worked one time in history, and that was Goldberg, and it was just a, it was a different time. Um, well, and even with Goldberg, it it worked it up to squashing a lot of little guys names. first. It was yeah, it was squashing unknowns for the first six probably months. forty matches. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he faced Raven, which would probably be his first. Well, Hugh Morris was his very first one, but that was on the downside of of Bill Demont. So Bill DeMott wasn't considered a big threat then. Um, and that was the very first match he won. Uh, but but then it was a lot of like Reese and Kidman and not that Kidman's bad, but you I mean you put them side by side and you go, I think I know who's gonna win this. <laughs> like um, you could know nothing about it and be like, that little dude's dead. Um, but and it, and it may not be true. That's what makes the Rey Mysterio story so much fun. You can have those other fun stories, too, because of things like that. But, man, when you do that, when he goes through and he he basically takes out 
Oh, I would say probably if, if you were doing a rankings on NXT men right now, you'd have Keith Lee, um, still Adam Cole, probably Karrion Cross, and then I, I think, wouldn't you say Dijakovic's fourth? Mm, like, in, in, uh, in a power rankings type thing? So, I mean, you can't really dog that. I mean, maybe you have Finn Balor there. Gargano. Gargano. But he's had a lot of times so he's gotten beaten up recently. Right. Champa, maybe. Of course, he had the... And and that was a different setup. So that was actually another... That would have been my segue to uh, I'm in the title hunt now. I just... I feel like you didn't ruin Champa's championship caliber by having him lose to Karrion Cross Because Champa's already been the champion a couple times. You wouldn't hurt Finn Balor. I think it hurt Dijakovic. Right. I feel like it, it, it stopped his push, you know? And has he even won a title? I feel like, no, huh? No, he hasn't had the North American, or he's had the tag titles. Right. But, yeah, it was just a complete slap in the face for a guy who's been there for so long. And, um, I don't know. Like, I get it, you want to push the guy, he's your new talent, whatever, cool. But don't ruin one of the guys you've been pushing for quite a long while just so you can make this new guy your pretty little you know new monster toy you know it's completely ridiculous yeah there are guys you can have to take the loss there are guys you can't have to take the loss think about like the buddy murphy versus roman match that we had where buddy almost won that didn't mean buddy had to actually win it put buddy over by legitimately giving roman fits that that's exactly the point there is um it was a competitive match that that someone didn't have to win to look good at. And that's kind of, I think, what your point is, is it's not that they had Dijakovic lose to Karrion Cross. No. It's, it's how it a, he lost. And, and it was that he can't take a squash loss when he just had all this push. Like, it again, I'm not joking. Finn Balor can take a squash loss, and people will be like, all right, he's coming back to beat the crap out of him later. You know, right. <laughs> like, we know that's going to happen. Um, same with Keith Lee. Same with uh, Adam Cole. And now what do you do? Do you, do you ruin Keith Lee's run as the first guy to hold both titles at the same time? Do you do you end that very, very quickly with Karrion Cross immediately getting the win? Okay, you keep an undefeated streak. That's cool. That's fine. But what happened to Keith Lee's win? Now, now, now Lee's push just started, you know? Yeah. Like, he doesn't have to come in and be title ready. Um, or a title contender this quickly. He's seven matches in. There's lots more people for him to, sh- to destroy. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. For, so. for instance, uh, Bill Goldberg's seven televised matches in would have been... Let me count up here. Um, if I'm counting correctly, he would have defeated the Renegade on his seventh televised <laughs> Yeah. Because, I mean, we're looking here... Yeah, and, his and first in the main event on a pay per view, <laughs> or his, not his yeah. first televised um, on Nitro match was yes against Hugh Morris, right? Yep. But he actually was on an episode of uh, WCW Saturday Night where he beat Buddy Landell before that. Okay, but but so Hugh Morris, then uh, the next week the Barbarian, then on Saturday Night Roadblock, then on Nitro Scotty Riggs then Wrath, then um, he went to a no contest with Disco Inferno, um, which I think meant that it didn't even get started, because it doesn't even have a time on it here. Um, How shows? Then The Renegade, then Mongo McMichael, Glacier, 
Hmm. Uh, Stevie Ray, that's the biggest name he's done. Barry Horowitz, Mike Mongo McMichael again, Jerry Flynn, Chavo Guerrero Jr., which this would have been pretty early on that, Meng, Kendall Windham. Ming would have been his biggest win in that group then. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brad Armstrong, Yuji Nagata, Buddy Lee Parker. Disco Inferno would have been a relatively big name, but I don't even think you would call that a big win. Right. Jim Powers, Steven Regal, Glacier again, McMichael again, <laughs> Hugh Morris again. You know, and that's the sort of thing. You can build someone up by having them beat these lower level people a lot. Multiple times, yeah. Fit Finley, that was Sick a big Boy, way. Vincent, Barry Darso, Lodi, the Renegade again. Let's let's find the first one that, that would be at like even close to the Dijakovic level, in my opinion. Uh, let's see I think you can make an argument for Raven. Yep. Raven on uh, March 20th of 98. So almost a year. Wow. Uh, that's like seven months. Seven months there uh, before he beat a, a really big name. And that was when he won the U.S. heavyweight United Correct. States champion. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, that's the sort of thing that you could build up him for a long time doing that. It's the same thing with Karrion Cross. I mean, you've got enough people in NXT that he could run through. Heck, and you, some of them twice. You know, I yeah. would, would I watch again? Um, oh, Bronson Reed get just smoked by Karrion Cross. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'd watch that again. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh, he picked a different way to throw a giant man across the ring. Perfect. Cool. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I'm glad that they aren't. I, I, I'll give them one thing. So Goldberg's were six-second matches, six to twelve-second matches, sometimes thirty-second matches. I mean, they they just were relatively short matches. Yeah. Um, rarely did Goldberg's first, I don't know, probably seventy-three matches, because seventy-three is the is the U.S. title, right? Uh, something like that. I'm off that page now. I'm moving okay. on because because I'm, I'm I'm looking at the NXT roster and I'm just thinking. Um, Boa, you know, Brendan Vink, Bronson Reed again, uh, Chase Parker. Um, you know, and, and I mentioned already uh, in prior podcasts, Brendan Vink really impressed me. I know you're yeah. not a big fan of his, but yeah, he really I don't impressed have a problem me. Problem with him. No. Uh, even even but someone Shane, like Shane Thorne's perfect to get annihilated by Karrion yeah. Cross. Well, and I was gonna say even Isaiah Swerve Scott, just because he's yeah, gonna be so I was much smaller. Yeah, mention too. Yeah, you know, uh, Jake but, Atlas, who you, you built up, but he's obviously a cruiserweight, so you have him get destroyed by Karrion Cross. Joaquin Wild, um, he, isn't he one of the ones in um, uh, um, El Hijo de Fantasma's group yeah. now? Yeah, um, like it doesn't yeah. hurt Del Fantasma Co- at all. Kona Reeves, my boy Kona, can get destroyed. I got no problem. Uh, but it, it. It, it would be, it would argue though that they're not as big of a name as Djokovic. You know what I mean? Because well, that's, that's not going to. That's the point. Is ev- building... yeah, eventually you work up to the big name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. When you're going with that point, for sure. For sure. Because yeah. it's been like what a month, two months, that he's just been annihilating people. Yeah. Yep. Almost two months. Well, during keep in mind it's 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 during COVID, and um, 
Also, we do have more shorter attention spans, which I don't even think would be a an argument you can even use here, technically. Yeah, just no, no bites. No, I mean, fans aren't good. And the the other argument that's in favor of this is the dude's an agent of chaos. His character is literally tearing down NXT and rebuilding it in his own image. Right. But. So he, he considers himself a god just to kind of... Uh, my god, you could have segments where he's not even in a match. He just comes out and wrecks both guys and leaves. That's it. Yeah. I think that would probably be the best way to do it. Yeah. And um, several, to, to use an like, AEW reference. And NWO. You, you can literally have this guy be both Goldberg and NWO. <laughs> Well, just to use an AEW reference from this week, and I know, uh, DA Fabe, you haven't watched this week's AEW yet. Oh, bro, you're missing. Lance Archer backstage this week. That's what they could have been doing with Karrion Cross. Lance Archer walks into one of the changing rooms. Uh, he, he the, the person's trying to interview him about what you're going to do, and he basically is like, yeah, I'll show you what I'm going to do, and he busts through the door into one of the locker rooms and just absolutely destroys the people back there. Like, he throws someone through the ceiling. Perfect! Uh, that's that's awesome. exactly what you can do. That builds him up as a badass, and you don't have to put him in a match with someone for it exactly. Um, like I said, though, I'm I'm 90% certain that this is designed as a way for them to write Dominic Dijakovic off NXT TV so that they can bring him up to, to the air quotes main roster team. There have been reports that he was on the fast track to main roster for a, about a month now. That I just think that's what they're doing here. It's unfortunate that they're putting him on the B team. Yeah, but you know, I I, I think they're like, well, what are, what can we do to bring up the ratings on Raw and SmackDown? Well, let's bring some fresh face in. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I love oh, Dijakovic. I think the Big Show versus Randy Orton wasn't a ratings pusher for you. Yeah, like, yeah. Let me put on my shocked face there. What? Like, I don't even know why you didn't just maybe do, let's say the women's match on Raw, which you're doing next week anyways, um, where you just didn't have that on Raw, and you put the Randy Orton and Big Show thing just on the horror show, because it was just a shit show to begin with, and whatever. No one's paying for the WWE Network. No one's going to unsubscribe because of the subpar pay-per-view. Like, it could have worked perfectly. And also maybe even have the um, have the, the Wyatt match on SmackDown as like a cinematic match, and that's it. Sure as hell would have been better than the freaking... Uh, Hardy and uh, Sheamus match. Jesus Christ. Like, oh, WWE, what are you doing? I also haven't seen that. Was it pretty bad? Oh, it was just pointless. And then they did a whole WWE kind of thing where we saw the Neo, uh, yeah, the Neo Jeff Hardy come out. But the way that they did it was so stupid. And I was just like, wow, uh, AEW did it with Matt so much better with the whole water pool thing and it just worked. It just seemed like WWE wanted to add that as like a, oh, look, we can do it too. But it was just so horribly done and very pointless. Ugh, what a horrible match. I want to unsee it and I unfortunately can't. Don't watch SmackDown or watch SmackDown, but don't watch the last match. Don't do it. <laughs> I feel like that's exactly what you said on your review. Uh, if I did it, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what I did on my review. Sell. This, yeah. Well, the thing is, the problem is, I couldn't actually get to watch it live, so I legit watched Raw and Smack. Like, I couldn't even get to watch Raw, so I legit watched Raw and SmackDown all today. So I was gonna do it tonight, and then I'm like, oh, I'll just do it after we do the WB 
just so we can get updated. It's all good. It's all good. No worries there. No, I mean, I I agree with the AFABE on this. It's It was the wrong way to handle building up Karrion Cross here, and it was the wrong way to handle whatever you're doing with Dijakovic. Um, I mean... I, I, don't get me wrong, I'd love to see him on the main roster, air quotes main roster, because I like to see him more. Uh, I was a fan of his back in Ring of Honor. Um, I mean, he's a big, athletic guy. He'll he'll do a lot on whatever show you put him on. But this was not the way to do it, if you ask. Agreed. I, yeah. I heartedly agree. Yeah. I don't know. That's just... And, and they do it a lot. This is just the most glaring defect of it recently. They have a long history of making someone lose on NXT so that they can bring them up to the air quotes main roster. Um, you know, before when NXT was just their developmental on on the network, it made a little bit more sense. You know, you have Ember Moon lose the title um, so that then she can show up on Raw the next week or whatever. But what's now... And eventually be misused as well. Yeah. yeah what's Ember happening Moon, with that? Ember Moon's, uh, yeah, recovering from, I want to say it was, like, shoulder injury. Okay, so she's legit injured, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real injury. It's not a uh, storyline. Mm, damn. Well, she got injured at the right time with this whole COVID bullcrap. Or at least. Well, yeah, but she's been injured for a while, though, no? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Since, like, November. Damn. Okay. Uh, ankle injury. That was wrong side of the body there. Way off. Yeah. Way off. <laughs> way off. So I swam and swam and swam and swam and swam Ah, Samsonite. Samsonite. I was way off. <laughs> um, apparently, it was an Achilles tendon. She, ooh, ruptured her Achilles tendon and tore it off the bone. Oh, Jesus. She ruptured it in two places. Damn. So, All right. Oh. Sorry, so Ember. Bad, bad joke of the night. You ready? Bad joke of the night. Mm. So you're saying that Ember Moon's Achilles heel is her Achilles heel? But I'm Chang. That's, that's, that's okay. all I got. Um, Thanks. I'll be here all night. <laughs> as someone who actually once nearly severed his own Achilles tendon, um, just reading that article actually physically hurts. So that's a, t- that's a tough one. If you rupture your Achilles, your whole calf muscle can ball up into your leg and they have to give you like serious muscle relaxers and stuff like that just to stretch it back down to try to make the repair. It's not fun stuff. Um, and a long recovery from it because to for it to fully heal, you basically just have to sit there for months, not putting any weight on it at all. And then, I mean, because she was a, a very, very fit woman to to get back into the shape for ring thing. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. She's still out. Yeah, especially with that. Thank God she didn't. Uh, yeah, jeez. Uh, I hope she gets uh, better soon. And hopefully she comes back when uh, all this COVID stuff is over because I don't wish anyone going to work uh, with what's going on. But, you know, I also yeah. at the same time, I'm happy the people who do go, do go. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. But so I'll go I... next. Okay, I'm going to um, uh, send this one to the jury. I think we we all pretty much agree that it was the wrong way to use Dijakovic there. We will move on to crime number two. JLB, what you got? So uh, I alluded to it, and I'm just completely fed up. I do not want to see cinematic matches by WWE anymore, unless it's a Bray Wyatt Funhouse sign kind of style. I cannot accept it anymore with anyone else doing it um we had 
the most stupidest match bar fight and i knew it was going to be horrible but man even the editing was just god awful at least make that proper and then you have a commercial break in the middle of the match like oh, yeah that that's the unforgivable part there is when you're doing a cinematic match the whole benefit of it being cinematic is that you can plan for stuff like that. No, no. Because you, you have control over it, but right? But cinematic match, you could essentially commercial break before the match, and then boom, this ends your that, SmackDown. Or hey, let's edit it to the point where the commercial has... Yeah, like it could have just been your last thing. I'm sure there's not a rule like, hey, this commercial has to be in between these matches or whatever have you. Just as long as you put these many commercials in your two-hour thing you're good that's you my know? point is it it's because it was all cinematic and pre they could have planned exactly for it and said okay it's going to be this number of minutes long so we need to make sure we put it in a place where we have this number of minutes in between commercial breaks boom boom good to go but the problem with that too is because it's pre-recorded they literally started off as to where they were at the end of the commercial so oh my uh, gosh they didn't pretend that there was something else that was going on no, so he Jeff Hardy got thrown into the drum set, and then he was uh, thrown out. Oh, commercial break, and then he comes back. He's coming out from the drum set, so nothing happened during that time. Also, another fault by WWE because it's like, what do you mean? Now it's just literally. She was just not a break. Uh, you, you go ahead and recover there, a eh, fella. And then just other stupid moments like the whole Neo situation. So, uh, basically. Uh, he knocks, uh, Seamus knocks him down. He puts his hat over his face, goes for a Guinness, chugs that down, because, hey, let me not pin him yet. Let me go have a beer, because I'm Irish. Uh, and then goes back, takes off the first one. I don't know why you would take off the hat. Just why you would put it on to begin with is a whole other story, but why then you would take it off and then be like, oh, then we see it's Brother Neo. And it was just so stupid. <laughs> Well, ridiculous in the world. It it did invent a really cool cinematic match that I'd like to see. I would like to see the um, Kushida either in a Bayside High Zach Morris match, and then they can go timeout and go to the commercials, and then time in when they come back, which would be okay. Or obviously Kushida, being the man who time forgot. Um, could also do, you know, a time machine match and pops into a DeLorean and, and then you have a spot for commercials there. That would work well with, if you're going to do a cinematic match, making it comedy like that, a Miz and Morris. Yeah, you could, if you do those comedy spots where, like, Miz and Morris in a Bayside High match and then I don't know where Miz goes, time out, movie or music video time, and they run the music video, like, everything stops somehow. Yeah, and then that music video time is technically them going in commercial, and they're kind of watching, and they're back. Oh, we're back. Okay, boom. You know, yeah. like we, yeah. If you're gonna do the comedic cinematic matches, because they've done them, they did it with the the ladder match. Those you can put on regular television and don't have it in the show. Have it open the show for God's sakes. Yeah, that ended the show, and um, it was just I don't know. It was it was a it was a horror that should have been on the horror show because that's what it was. It was stupid. It was nowhere near as good as the whole Matt Hardy changing from there all this. Even, there was even a reasonable break in the Bray Wyatt match where Bray was drowning um, uh, Braun or where he, 
you know, where Braun hit himself with the shovel. So there's that. You could have done it. You could have done commercial breaks there. That's what I. If you would have had that match on SmackDown and then had the stupid bar fight on the pay per view, literally when Bray is coming off or going away on the boat, you could have went to commercial. Like oh, yeah, there's a on? lot of different spots where you could have gone to commercial in that type of cinematic match. You're right. It's also you know, we talked about doing them throughout the whole evening, having spots where that where it pops in and out. That bar fight would have been perfect for that. Yeah, I so I blame them on just you know they shouldn't do cinematic matches anymore. You shouldn't be wasting alcohol like that. That's uh, that's a crime on its own. Uh, <laughs> it, you shouldn't it, it, be. You shouldn't be putting an alcoholic in a match based on alcohol either. That too. You shouldn't be doing that. And then why did he pour the beer? So Jeff Hardy poured himself a beer at the beginning of the of the fight. They were, they were just talking on the bar. And uh, they were talking and discussing. And Seamus calling him pathetic. And then he's like, oh, do you want a shot? He's like, no. And then he pours himself a beer. So he doesn't get a, he doesn't give get a shot, but he pours himself a beer. Like, why are you gonna pour that beer for? If it was water, I would have understood. Did he and throw yes, it in his face? He ended up throwing it in his face like five minutes after, like later. So it wasn't oh. even right away. It was. Yeah, yeah it should. So, so, so it's Chekhov's beer. Yeah. That's what. It yeah. So. <laughs> so. Chekhov's beer. It. It's what a. Well, that's that's good. Uh, it was uh, it was just stupid, and I knew it was gonna be stupid. But just the editing was bad too, with the bathroom sequence as well. That wasn't even properly edited well when Jeff Hardy left, and then they messed it up somehow where Sheamus was like already at the like uh, he was out of the stall and he was already near the uh, whatever where you wash your hand the sinks and so on it was just a bunch of weirdness um, at least they did the latter spot but uh, yeah they were to just stop we said this when you originally did the first cinematic match um, that they're probably going to keep doing more and they shouldn't because it's going to lose its special advantage of being a cinematic match. But, you know, leave it to WWE to ruin everything. Well, and I think some of it comes down to, like you say, the Bray Wyatt cinematic matches have been relatively entertaining. And I think a lot of it's because Bray Wyatt has a say in that and he's a very creative person. Um, in the non-WWE side of things, uh, Matt Hardy's a very, very creative person, and both in TNA with the broken Matt Hardy and so far in AEW, the cinematic matches that he's dealt with have been very creative and very entertaining. Uh, and this is not a knock on Jeff Hardy or Sheamus, but neither of them are known for their overall creativity uh, for making these sorts of things. I mean, they're they're wrestlers. They're very, very good at what they do. But, I mean, Jeff Hardy's entire part in the Broken Universe was scripted by his brother, Matt. You know? The whole character was put together through. So, anyway. So, Tech, could, could Matt sue? But he wouldn't, obviously. No, Jeff, Nero, was, Nero was a Jeff character. Yeah. Nero, well, yeah. Nero was a Jeff character, even if Matt was in charge of kind of creating the character overall. I mean, keeping in mind that Nero is legitimately Jeff's middle name, um, oh. it, it'd be hard to uh, take that away from Jeff, you know? Um, I'm actually watching the match right now, and oh, look, put the hat on his face for no reason whatsoever. And then he goes for a beer. 
He's just like, all right, let me go grab a Guinness. Yeah. And now I'm going to come back. I mean, it was impressive how he chugged yeah. that Oh, my goodness. It's Nero. <laughs> I just don't understand. Of all the Jeff Hardy characters to bring up for this, the one character that's tied directly to his brother who's no longer in the, the company, that's the one you go with? And that's why I think that... Because originally I didn't know it was Nero. Because I, I never watched chef hardy's nero thing with impact or anything like that so i literally didn't know i just thought it was oh jeff hardy would face paint to me i i didn't notice like i knew they were making except uh, making it exceptional on the eyes and i'm like okay it's like a demon jeff hardy or something but i would for me i was just like okay it's jeff hardy with makeup it's when he had makeup on uh but then coming to read it was jeff uh, it was nero jeff hardy and then i was like okay but they never had a Nero Jeff Hardy and WWE. So that's why I said it was just this kind of, hey, AEW can do it, but we can do it too. So it was kind of just a, a play against AEW, I feel, and uh, Matt. I mean, they could have done they could have done Willow. Willow would have been the route I would have gone. They could have done Charismatic Enigma, Jeff. Yeah, for sure. I don't remember Willow, Jeff. What's Willow, Jeff? Oh, just when he was... Also uh, a TNA one. Yeah, it was a TNA one. Uh, it was. I think the only thing with Willow Jeff is he had that whole like spiky headdress mask thing that he would wear as Willow. That'd be hard to transition to in middle of a match, but no, it wouldn't. Not when you have this Seamus is stupid hat. Cinematic. Not cinematic, but well, you would have had to have come up with something other than a hat because it was a lot bigger than that hat. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, his Willow character looked pretty badass actually. I'm looking at it now. Huh. And then that didn't do well in uh, Impact? Or? No. no. A, a lot of Jeff Hardy didn't do well in Impact um, due to a lot of the same uh, reasons that we didn't like him being in this exact uh, feud right now. Um, his addiction awful. problems caused a lot of problems in TNA. Um, right. Uh, including a very, very um, infamous match against Sting at, was it Bound for Glory? I don't remember what it was. It was Bound for Glory. Um, where he showed up too drunk to perform. perform. And so, I mean, basically, uh, Eric Bischoff just came out and called an audible really quickly and basically told Sting, just destroy him really quickly and get this done with. So it was like Scorpion Death Drop pin. And, and legitimately, like, you could see uh, Sting legitimately holding Jeff Hardy down so that they could count the one, two, three, because Jeff was not wanting to. He was instinctively trying to kick out. He's like, no, you are getting pinned. We are getting this done now. And Jeff Hardy on uh, WWE's 24 thing, I think it was, he even admitted he was like, man, you know, I, I ruined such an opportunity. That was his one and only time that he was in the ring wrestling Sting. And he re completely regrets it just because, you know, it was he was in the ring with a legend and he ruined it. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, cinematic matches. That's a nay for... Uh, Victory Road, that's the one it was. Victory Road. The road to... No, I mean, I agree. It wasn't a good match by any means. Uh, and like I say, the cinematic matches, the ones that work, typically have to be with the very creative people who are allowed to have uh, their creative say in things. Undertaker and AJ Styles in the Boneyard match. Both had big-time input in that match. Mm -hmm. Yep. And they also allowed Jeremy Borash to 
kind of take over and direct it to who he has uh, had a lot of input in the broken Matt Hardy storyline. So, um, and then of course, like I said, Bray Wyatt is very creative and very good at designing his cinematic matches to work. I mean, there were a lot of things about the uh, Braun Strowman cinematic match that weren't the best things on the planet, but they still worked because they had this overall theme to them. So, yeah, I, 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 I think a lot of why we loved the Cena one is because we had no clue where it was going. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, that is so sweet. Oh wow, that's amazing. Ah. Um, and we didn't have that as much in the Braun one. I think it was still, it was pretty close to the same level of quality of good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. Um, it was less weird than the first one, for sure. Uh, it made more sense on what they did with that one. Well, I mean, the other one made sense too. But if you're just like, like for instance, my folks hated the other one with John Cena because they just didn't get it, right? Like it was just a bit too much. It was weird. And a lot of people, frankly, just didn't get it. Um, but there was a lot of stuff in there that made sense. And if you're a wrestling fan and have been for quite some time, you'll get it. You'll get what's going on. Uh, whereas this one with Braun was more just, hey, you know, you're in a swamp. It's kind of what it was expected to be. The only thing that was maybe not expected was Bliss showing up there. You know what I mean? Doing I that thought little... that was incredible, though. That was amazing. I've been enjoying um, watching internet fanboys try to wrap their brain around that and trying to come up with, oh my goodness, now that means... Does that mean Alexa Bliss is, is Sister Abigail? Does that mean she's going to start showing up as Sister Abigail? Da, da, da. It was a metaphor. <laughs> it was all about Braun Strowman's head, right? Right. She made it, it great. It was not saying that Alexa Bliss is Sister Abigail. It was all about Braun Strowman's brain psycho- psychology um, getting in there. So... Um, I- they can still technically use that later on because if that's yes, in they have to, but that I think that ruins that match if they do. Well, the the only way that um, they can use it that I don't think necessarily ruins it is if they have uh, Alexa Bliss turn heel, yeah. probably betray her friend Nikki Cross, and and then use her knowledge of that match to pretend to be Sister Abigail to try to get some control over Braun. Um, Anything doing it any other way where you you actually make there be a connection between, you know, uh, Bray and, and Alexa ruins it. But if you make it where Alexa's just being her slimy heel self again, and using it as a way to manipulate, it can work. By the way, Alexa, even as your slimy hill self, you're still beautiful and amazing on the mic, and you should never change. Uh, I prefer her as her slimy heel self. I, I gotta be honest, her I, she's she's one of my favorite female wrestlers, um, but her face turn is kind of boring. Yep. And I'm yep. I'm ready for for bitchy heel Alexa to come back. Yeah, she's a bit too nice. That's her problem. Like she's a bit too. Hey, I'm that friend. And honestly, that match with Nikki Cross, she looked bored, I found. She just seemed like, okay, I'm going to have this match. But she just, because she just seems like she's, she literally, I felt like in her head, she was thinking like, I don't really have a character. This is boring. Mm -hmm. 
Well, she's going to eventually turn on Nikki. The only reason you ever have a heel character become face and become really, really good friends with another face character is for the heel character to eventually turn heel on the face. That's it's the Ric Flair theory, you know, Mm. Ric Flair and Sting. Every damn time, Ric Flair's like, no, I'm a good guy. Sting's like, are you sure? Yes, I'm a good guy. Okay, I'll trust you. Nope. <laughs> Got you again, Sting. Aw, crap. Trats <laughs> um, foiled again. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you got me this time, but not next time. I'm going to see it coming. Nope, nope, didn't see no, it. No, nope, didn't, didn't see it. No, nope. I, I love you, Sting, but you fell for that way too many times. <laughs> oh, but next time I won't. You wait and see. Nope, 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 not next time. <laughs> oh, jeez, I done did it. Oh, did it again. Woo! But no, I mean, I agree. I think I think uh, COVID has forced them to do more cinematic matches than they really should. Uh, and and to their credit, AEW has done less cinematic matches than than I'd expect them to. You know, so although their their one of their matches this week was probably a pre-filmed cinematic match, even though they aired it like a real-time match. Um, it was their most watched segment of the night. The Butcher and Blade versus Young Bucks uh, Falls Count Anywhere match. Um, because there was a whole bunch that took place back in the back areas of the uh, arena. Including a, a sweet thing where I want to say it was the Blade got taken out on an escalator and just slowly kind of went yeah. up the escalator. Um, That's a way you do a commercial break. Mm-hmm. Like, boom! <laughs> oh man! By the way, if you're gonna watch AEW, you gotta watch that match and then also the main event because Hot Diggity Dam was uh, was it a good time? It was good times all around. That was a great episode. Yep. But so, well, I guess I think that brings us to a great segue into my crime. Um, because I am charging AE dubs with two charges, two counts of giving us what we want. Give me what I want. You know what I want. Give me what I want. Even if we didn't know we wanted it. Uh, the first one being Eddie Kingston coming in to face Cody last week. That was brilliant. Um, I'm not as familiar with Eddie Kingston as some people are. Like I've seen some of his TNA work back when he was with LAX. Um, he's been at NWA, he's been in Ring of Honor, he's been kind of everywhere and on all the indies, and I'm not as familiar with him, but he came in, he delivered an absolute fire promo, uh, and then proceeded to do a phenomenal, um, no DQ match with Cody, uh, looked like an absolute star even in defeat, uh, I don't know if they plan on signing him, I hope they do, but he might have a contract with NWA that prevents him from signing him officially right now. But it's also a nice kind of uplifting story because kind of infamously um, not too long into COVID, Eddie Kingston um, actually posted on Twitter that he had to sell a lot of his wrestling gear including his boots just to pay the bills because so many of his events that he was banking on for money had gotten canceled. And so for AEW to bring him in and and give him a paycheck to wrestle this 
high-profile match on Dynamite um, is is kind of a big deal. It's a it's a nice story, um, and I know NWA is probably trying to get ready to ramp up here again soon, so he'll start having that if he's still with the NWA. But it would sure would be nice. I mean, he's got history in with some people in AEW, like I said. He used to be with um, LAX. He was Santana and Ortiz's manager in LAX for a long time. So he's got a connection there that they could exploit, have him join the inner circle as well. Yes, I didn't didn't know where he was from, um, but... Then that's what, then when uh, I was reading once again, I'm like, oh, he's the manager for the guys from LAX. Then, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, great match. And uh, all in all, though, uh, with that, um, I like the thumbtack spot. But, uh, you know, you yeah. guys not. I Oh, I'm a huge fan of the thumbtack spot. I love that spot. Um, oh, I thought you were saying that you No, weren't... it was, it was like number four on my list of things that worked for me so bad on that. I loved it. I love them because they look so so painful, even if they're not all that painful physics wise. Mm. But the other charge of giving us what we want, even if we don't know we wanted it, is they've already announced the match for Cody for this week. This coming week on Dynamite is going to be War Horse. And I'm so excited. I love me some War Horse. And to have War Horse versus Cody, that's something that the Twitter sphere has been. Uh, 100% behind ever since Cody announced that they didn't have to be wrestlers currently signed to AEW Warhorse was the chant and I'm so excited to see Warhorse on my TV give me give me give me yeah I have never seen him so I'm going to be excited to uh, see how he is okay, you've been talking about him for quite some time so yeah. uh, excited for that for sure he does a top rope elbow drop that he calls the Warhammer mm. that while is not quite as pretty as Kyrie Sane's. Um, That's hard to be that pretty. Because Kyrie Sane has that whole windmill of her elbow that really makes it mixing. He does it kind of opposite. When he jumps, his elbow's not up until the last minute he brings it up to bring it down. So it it really looks like he's at the last minute driving some more power into it. So, but he's he's got this like heavy metal old school sort of, I don't know, vibe to him. Um, I'm I'm a fan, so I'm excited to see that. That's why I'm super excited for AEW this week. Not that I'm not super excited pretty much every week. AEW is the highlights of my butt, oh. but this week especially. Um, and there's a lot of I good mean, stuff. I mean, second to waking up next to your beautiful wife in the morning. Well, I was going to mention a wife thing, and I was just like, no, nah, I'll just let it. Uh, well, I mean, I've been battling it. allergies, so I've been sleeping on a recliner. So right now. It's it's the AEW part. Wow, dude. <laughs> Tried to give it to you, man. You gotta take advantage of it when it comes. <laughs> no, no. Let them learn the hard way. That's it. I've been married 12 years. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, so we're going to put the dirt... We're going to fill this hole back up. We're not going to dig anymore. We'll just, you know, we'll, we'll smooth it out and uh, move on to some accommodations. <laughs> Well, first, I want to give a, a misdemeanor. I have one misdemeanor to talk about. Um, and that's... This is a misdemeanor against WWE. Because they, they they lost their contract for Sky Sports Italy. Italy right? Uh, right, I heard about those. Yeah. They lost their contract previously for 
20 some years, Sky Sports Italy has played WWE programming on it for the Italian viewers there. And Sky Sports has chose to not uh, continue that contract and instead signed a contract with AEW. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, that's genius. This that's is the a... first <laughs> domino to fall. Uh, this could be fantastic for, for wrestling fans. It could also be very bad. Do we know why they didn't? Were they just not getting any kind of uh, viewership? Like, that's just weird to just say, hey, screw you guys. Is WWE asking maybe for more money? It's, to be perfectly honest, it's probably a combination of them all. It's probably they weren't getting enough viewers. They were wanting more money. Uh, you know, that they were getting less popular. You know, it, it all kind of probably plays into it. Um, but it's just one of those, it's kind of one of those, how do you get fired on your day off sort of things, right? They've been there for 20 years doing it. So Sky Sports Italy did not do this lightheartedly. They did not just wake up one morning and be like, you know what, eh, let's get rid of WWE and replace it with uh, AEW. Um, it had to be building for a long time. And just just when that news broke, I was like, oh, geez, that probably totally burns uh, Vince McMahon's nuts right now. <laughs> Damn. Makes me sad to have the same first name and middle name. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, geez. But so in terms of AEW's card for this next week, they've got a lot of great stuff. Of course, I already talked about Cody versus Warhorse. You've got Hikaru Shida versus Diamante. Diamante put on a great match versus Ivelisse, and so that should be a fun match there. You've got um, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, which should be fun. You've got John Moxley and Darby Allen versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, which should be fun. You've got uh, Inner Circle versus Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus as a I'm assuming that's going to be the main event there, because um, that's crazy, right? Uh, it it seems like a, a, a great, great show already, and I'm sure there's more matches to be announced, so I'm excited for AEW's. <laughs> yep, um, but yeah, be a good time. <laughs> we can go ahead and move on to commendations and uh, <coughs> ready, unless anyone else has some other misdemeanors to throw out there. Um... Going once, going twice. I got nothing. Moving yeah. on to commendations. Okay. Um, I'm going to start off with, with one for uh, NXT, because uh, I'm super excited for the uh, North American title tournament, I think. I don't know if it's technically a tournament, but it might as well be a tournament. It's a playoff. Playoff? Uh, playoffs. We'll talk about Playoffs. Just trying to win a game here. You talking about playoffs? Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just think there's there's a there's a lot of fun stuff to have because it's it's triple threat matches to determine who's gonna fight for the final, and so many of those matches should be just tons of fun. Uh, I just like like I know I think this week they've got one that's gonna be Finn Balor versus, and I'm trying to remember who all's gonna be in it. But I feel like this is gonna be the way that Damian Priest, his name, is gonna live forever. Yeah, that's that's my hot take prediction. He's gonna be Archer of Infamy. 
Yes, that's his moniker. But he keeps saying that, and my name, it's going to live forever. By the way, and I don't know if you listened to the NXT review I did, um, but doesn't Damian Priest sound a lot like a guy that you and I used to work with by the name of Jeremiah? Yep. <laughs> like a lot yep. like him. Okay. So, yeah, the triple threat matches are going to set up uh, a ladder match at the next takeover, whatever they're calling it. 30. So, yeah. So, um, takeover Florida, <laughs> number six. <laughs> so, so Roderick Strong, Johnny Gargano, and Bronson Reed uh, was already this week. And Bronson Reed won, of all the people. You know, I wasn't upset about it, though. No. Well, here, here uh, my only thing with it is, of those three people, who do you want to see in a ladder match? It's not Bronson Reed for me. Oh, I don't know. Maybe if he's going through a table. The other, but, and again, this goes back to the Karrion Cross thing, just got squashed by Karrion Cross. But so, and then uh, next week is going to be Finn Balor, Dexter Loomis, and Timothy Thatcher in their triple threat match. God, that'll be a good one. Um, and and frankly, the only that, one out of that that Finn. I don't want to win is Thatcher. Timothy Thatcher. And not I that I don't he's like a him. Pound to pound guy. Yeah. Can you he's imagine? Just not a ladder match. Yeah, Bronson Reed versus Timothy Thatcher in a ladder match. <laughs> but but Dexter Loomis, Crazy Man Dexter, yeah. yeah, I'm down for that. And of course Finn Balor, mm-hmm. give me that. The other thing, so I and I'm proud of WWE here or NXT here on the Dexter Loomis thing. So I'll, I'll throw in a commendation here because we're already talking about the guy. Still hasn't talked. That is just, so fantastic. Just some whispers in uh, Roderick Strong's ear while he was passed out. Correct. But no <laughs> no actual on-mic television talking. He has communicated, which is, th- that's creepy as I'll get out. The art, the art <laughs> thing. Oh my God. I'm like, mm, you're creepy. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to put a side note in there. So good job on that, on not having him talk. Don't ruin it anytime soon. And, just and then to ruin it next week. Yep, they're listening and they're like, oh, we better make them talk. <laughs> no, don't. No. Just don't do it. Just don't. No. I, I also have commendations for um, AEW. Two of them. Big surprise, me commending AEW. Um, the Sad. biggest one, uh, bring, bringing back Sammy Guevara and, and totally catching me off guard with it. I was not expecting him to come back, and I was not expecting him to be Serpentico. Um, but also, and this this is probably the one that might fly under the radar a little bit, but I think is the most important, bringing in two excellent women in Ivelisse and Diamante to, to wrestle to help fill out that women's division a little bit more that right now is feeling a little bit weaker than normal just because of uh, the... Yeah, COVID affecting the number of people who can be there. I mean, there's a lot of of AEW women that are trapped overseas that can't be there to wrestle. And then two of their biggest stars in Britt Baker and um, uh, Chris Statlander are both out injured right now. Now, Britt Baker's at least making appearances and, and building up her stuff. She's announced that she's going to be back for All Out um, in what's it a month so that's good uh, but bringing in Ivelisse who um, has wrestled in in WWE 
and also in um, Lucha Underground. In fact, that's apparently what kept her from wrestling for AEW a lot is her Lucha Underground contract. And Diamante, who has been um, in Impact and uh, NWA as well, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, bringing them in to kind of beef up that division. And they're both excellent. So I was very happy to see them come in. I hope they both get signed. Please sign them if you can. Isn't uh, Ivelisse uh, married to a wrestler? Um, Morrison's wife? I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember who Morrison's wife is. I thought th- I thought it was Ivelisse for some reason. Uh, no, uh, Morrison's wife is... Um, I'm deliberately blanking her name. Uh, Taya Valkyrie. Okay. Uh, in uh, Impact. Impact. That's what it is. Yep. Um, but Ivelisse was in NXT for a while in 2012. So back in the dark days of WWE. I mean, she actually was one of the contestants on the fifth season of Tough Enough. Um, but then, like I said, went to the Independence and Lucha Underground. Uh, had a brief stint in TNA, it looks like. Um, but but she's, uh, as far as I know, not officially signed to AEW, but I really, really hope they uh, get her. Get her. And then Diamante, who won the match this week and goes on to face Hikaru Shida this coming week, um, she's been in um, Impact Wrestling as well as a bunch of other like independent stuff. Um, but she's uh, she's actually really impressive. So I'm excited to see her. Once again, I'm really hoping that they announce soon that they've both been officially signed too. But here's hoping. But so those are my commendations. Um, also, I, I don't know, at least worth uh, commending AEW for um, winning the ratings again this week. Since somebody over the last couple of weeks uh, liked to keep bringing up how great um, uh, NXT was doing, it's still worth pointing out that, um, let's see there. In, uh, in my best, my very, very, very best um, Green Goblin voice, somebody. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't know who. S- somebody. Uh, AEW averaged uh, 845,000 viewers. And let's find, where's NXT? Oh, it's clear down there at 35. 615,000 viewers. Man, 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 man. With a 0.17 share on the key demo, um, which is darn near half the share that AEW got at a 0.32. So, yeah. I mean, it's all about the demo god. That's what it's about. And that's hilarious how he's still using that. <laughs> uh, J- Jericho can make anything stick. Mm. What he do? That's what he do. I totally stopped doing anything for the hashtag, the special hashtag on AEW. I'm like, man, one on for in Canada at least for TSN doesn't always do the picture to picture, so we don't end up getting that special hashtag to see if we could win price. I'm always watching late enough that I don't even bother because I'm like, well, this hashtag actually aired half an hour ago, so. Right, yeah. Because because I'm usually just getting off work when A-dub starts, so. I'm sorry, yeah. patrols are patrols, man. Sometimes you got you got other cases to do. And... Yeah, yeah, gotta, gotta deal with all that stuff, but that's what DVRs are for, so. <laughs> so, 
for me, I'm going to have to give an accommodation to Britt Baker. Um, absolutely loved her promo this week. Uh, how she is the Michael Jordan of AEW. I just love that. <laughs> I just love how she continues to uh, call people conspirators. That that everyone's part of the conspiracy against her. And that's cool because that is what's kind of happening with you know a lot of people with conspiracy to the corona and all that. So she's playing off real life things, but it also she's just so phenomenal and she just makes it so believable at the same time and convincing in her own little mind. But you know what? I love it. And the fact that she announced that she's going to be wrestling at all all out is when she's going to be coming back. I was just like, "Oh, amazing." And gosh darn it, she looked beautiful on that chair as well, uh, even though she was injured. <laughs> yes. And the it's fact like that she Audrey, still can't Audrey remember. Edwards. It wasn't for her. Yep. Yeah, she, she was part somewhere. of the conspiracy. She was somewhere. She was somewhere. Yeah, I love that. Um, and my next accommodation is going to have to go to, it kind of was going to be my misdemeanor, but I forgot and now I remembered, but I can make, kind of make an accommodation. I give Drew McIntyre and Ziggler an accommodation for still trying to keep up with this storyline because I'm sure they would have loved to have ended it, but the writers were probably like, hey, here, no, 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 keep going, keep going, but but we're just going to switch it now. Now Drew McIntyre is going to is going to make the, the stipulation and we're going to continue this because we just like to continue stuff because Bruce Pitchard is tired and he can't think of anything else to do. So I I give the accommodation to Drew McIntyre and Ziggler for keeping this up because it absolutely didn't need to be done. I loved the match, so I hope I'm going to like the match again on Raw, but hot diggity damn, it just doesn't make any freaking sense to do this matchup considering McIntyre won in like convincing fashion um convincing fashion well what what really makes it this uh really belong in a misdemeanor is they announced on the show that Drew McIntyre was going to pick the stipulation and there was going to be a title match next week and now they're advertising it as a non-title which makes no effing sense I mean why are we continuing this if it's not a title match? Oh, I, that I didn't even know. So that's really what it would have yeah. made it a misdemeanor then. Jesus. Yeah. So you know what that's telling us? That's telling us that Ziggler's going to win. Most likely. Uh, the only reason for them to change it to a non-title match is that uh, Ziggler's going to win, but they can't. Oh, we can't take the belt off Drew just yet. So uh, but uh, no. let's make it non-title. Because if you're going to continue this freaking storyline, make Ziggler win, and then McIntyre faces Ziggler at SummerSlam. And then end all be all. You don't need McIntyre to have it for like a year either, like consecutively. Make Ziggler win, give him that title until SummerSlam. Make SummerSlam some crazy kind of match because Ziggler's probably going to win by cheating somehow and whatever. Because this makes Ziggler look strong for Monday Night Raw. He gets the title, he's all happy, so on and so forth. And then make it happen on SummerSlam where they face each other again because whatever, their, their matches are good. The match at the horror show was awesome. And hopefully the raw match two is going to be good and good, good enough. And I wouldn't know. Gooder, gooder, leave it. Gooder, more gooder, more gooder. Um, And I wouldn't mind seeing them at SummerSlam in another matchup. And this would just boost the morale of Ziggler as well. You know, so out of the world title picture. So WWE championship picture. Not that I don't like Seth Rollins. Just well, well, I mean, yeah, and Seth Rollins is doing his Dominic thing, and that's probably going to last, God knows, until when, maybe Survivor Series. Who the hell knows? Oh my uh, goodness, I just figured it out. That's how they're going to bring Dijakovic up. 
he's going to be Dominic. <laughs> Dominic hit a growth spurt. <laughs> His name is actually Dominic. It works. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm here to avenge my dad. <laughs> hey, they could. I, I wouldn't put it past them to say Dominic comes out. I told you I was. I, I told you. We told you a Dominic was coming to Raw. I just didn't tell you which one. And then Dominic brings out Djokovic to face Seth Rollins kind of thing as a fend for the father. Because I don't see how Dominic is going to look any kind of decent against Seth Rollins. There's no way that they're going to listen to a match. He's going to do his, I'm way too tall to do this 619. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Clear the top rope. Oops. Um, we're giving him too many ideas. No, don't do that. That is not a good idea. Well, I mean, that might be decent, though. No, 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 no not the 1619. I'm referring to them bringing up Dominic Dijakovic uh, with Dominic kind of thing. Dominic brings him oh, out to face Team Dominic. Team I Dominic know. versus Team Messiah. Messiah. I don't now, know, here's, man. here's the deal. When we're talking about Ray's son, Dominic, if anyone on the current Raw roster could pull a, a decent match out of him right now, I think Seth Rollins is the one to do it. Yeah. Yes. Um, face, Seth. face Seth Rollins, I think, would be able to do it. Heal Seth Rollins? Ah, then again, no. Because he technically still does pretty decent at pulling people over, though. So, yeah, you're right. My bad. Yeah, you're bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's right. I love the language barrier. I didn't know in, in Canada it was called accommodations. I thought here in America, accommodations <laughs> are, are, are accommodations are like hotels, but accommodations uh, are, are awards. And in Canada, I didn't realize it was accommodations. So that blows my mind. And then on top of a, that, Seth, Canada Seth, can, Seth me not knowing, even though it's the only language that I know can help Very somebody sad. with a good pull. I didn't know in Canada that the pushes were called pulls. I think that's fantastic. I love that what I'm learning about the Canadian language. Yeah. The Canadian way. <laughs> Maybe that's what my podcast should be called. The Canadian way, eh? Eh? Don't you know. Don't you know. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Jeez, oh. we better go to the next section for uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> In well, Canada, they punch through the phone. Don't you? Ow! Yeah. What are you doing? But, but then they'd apologize afterwards. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Didn't mean to. <laughs> I keep I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Well, I think that kind of brings us to the end of this particular show. Um, a little bit shorter episode than most of the time, but, you know, we covered the good stuff, so... Make sure what to like all agree on the crimes. Yeah, that's the problem is we need to find stuff we disagree on because then we can argue back and forth. Um, yeah. Crime for this week. Vince Russo is actually a great booker. Mm, let's have that argument. Let's do it <laughs> right now. <laughs> I back myself into a corner because now I got to figure out how to support that particular <laughs> argument. Um, um, NWO wasn't Well, I mean, he um, was... Was Vince Russo uh, uh, responsible for a lot of what happened in the Attitude Area? He claims. <laughs> yeah. He claims he created DX. And he also but, claims that he created uh, 
Stone Cold. Mm -hmm. The only problem is Stone Cold and almost all of DX uh, deny that. And so, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to be able to support that end of the argument. I'll have to come up with something else to argue about next week. I mean, look, to be fair, guys, he was a writer. He was was a writer uh, for the magazine and came up to be a lead writer for the thing. So I'm sure he's come up with a bunch of stuff for WWE that was widely popular and that we did like. He has come up with a lot of crap, but like such as the Brawl for All. But I am sure he has also come up with quite a few things that we thoroughly enjoyed. The problem is we'll never know about it because if Vince says it and Russo says it, we won't think it's true. And then because he has so much heat in the entire wrestling business, uh, no one will admit to what he has created just out of the pure hatred for him. Uh, and we definitely can't ask Cornette because uh, we won't get a right answer. And uh, yeah, so we're just stuck. That, that'll be a won't be able to be much of an argument there, but Well, I mean, here's the deal is you can talk all you want about things that he um, might have created in WWE as the head writer. But remembering that in WWE, there's still one guy everything goes through who is known to change everything. It doesn't matter what the head writer wrote. Vince McMahon had a say in it. And so, um, and as obvious by the fact that when Russo went over to a place where he didn't have someone above him making changes to his stuff and his stuff suddenly was crap, I think that says a lot about how little... Vince Russo actually did like he may have come up with some great ideas but he was so bad on follow through and what comes next that I can't say I believe that he created DX because in his mind it would have been like hey we'll have him come out and and do something funny and we'll call him Degeneration X it'll be funny okay what'll they do next week I don't know Mm, yeah yeah and you know uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H, I'm sure, had a hefty hand with a lot of the stuff they did, uh, at least 98% of the time, because they were kind of just given free will to be funny and say stupid stuff, and it worked completely. So I don't know how much of uh, that was Vince Russo's doing. I can't oh. give that to Vince Russo. NWO wasn't Vince Russo either, right? Because Vince Russo was still in WWE. Yep. That, that um, was 100%, 100% Bischoff. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's the thing to keep in mind with... Um, Anything that Vince Russo claims to have created on WWE is up until Vince Russo, uh, WWE didn't have script writers at all. No one wrote a script for anyone. Their writer's room was effectively just coming up with a storyline. Here's the storyline we want to tell. And then the wrestlers did their all their own promo work. It's only been since then, since Russo, that script writers have started to be used on WWE. So in a way, Vince Russo is responsible for a lot of the crap we complain about still to this day on WWE. Because if he hadn't started writing script back then, then we might not have script writers now. Mm. So, so yeah, I can't support my own argument there. I, I, um, I retract that argument. I file for a mistrial. Um, <laughs> nope. nope, you already claimed it. Nope, nope, nope. I um, I'm recusing myself from this um, particular case. Sorry. Nope, nope, no, no, no. So on a fun little thing on what's trending, um, well, not really trending, but Natalia 
wrote 38 minutes ago that she couldn't go to bed until she watched SummerSlam uh, 97, which... Oh, never mind. I ruined my own joke. Because I thought she was watching Survivor Series 97. Ha <laughs> ha! But, uh, yeah, no, carry on. Sorry. It was a bad joke. Cool story, bro. Carry on my way. Words on... Hey, uh, Rey Mysterio's son Dominic is coming to Raw tomorrow night. So, you know, maybe it'll be Big Dominic. I'm here to avenge my father. Uh, can we talk about the, your eyes. Can we talk about the cool situation? Adam Cole situation with the uh, with him flipping out on the podcaster? Talk yeah. away. I'm not as familiar with that. Oh, okay. So uh, Adam Cole was uh, on... Um, what's it called? Hold on. So Adam Cole and... Uh, Pat. Pat McAfee, he was on Pat McAfee's uh, podcast, and he basically had asked Adam Cole uh, questions uh, on, you know, um, on, you know, basically calling him small and how he has the title for so long and how he's not going to last anymore. Um, and then Adam Cole just kind of got upset. I'm trying to find the actual quote, uh, but I just, okay. So, Dun, 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 dun. Nope, that's just Mark Henry talking about it. So basically, he was just kind of sort of just trying to get Adam Cole to get angry, right? Because he was calling him smart. And he's saying that without the... Um, he, uh, the only reason why he was the longest reigning champion uh, was because of the Undisputed Era. Then he made fun of Cole being too small. And then Adam Cole actually lost it. And there's video footage of this. Um... And Cole basically shoved down, uh, basically just shoved the microphone down and yelled at McAfee and uh, shoved McAfee's co-host as well before he kind of just stormed off. Now, um, a lot of people are questioning on this if this is a work or not. Um, There's several people reporting on that this is like legit true. He was just absolutely pissed off by this podcaster guy. This podcaster guy apparently is big deals, though. Have you heard of him? He's a former NFL punter. Oh, an NFL punter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's a hierarchy in National Football League, and punters, punters are bottom of the list. So, um, and don't get me wrong, like there was a time I wanted to be an NFL punter. Do you know why? Because I was small, and and I. It pays well. It pays well. It, anything in the NFL pays well especially if you're good at it, good enough to be on main roster. And and I'm not trying to dog him for his ability. He was a very, very good punter. But right. in the grand scheme of things, he was he would play maybe one snap out of every possession. Maybe. He was literally the last person called onto the field during any possession. They were like, we're going to try to do everything we can to make sure that Pat McAfee doesn't have to come on the field. Oh, crap. We couldn't get far enough down the field for a field goal, so we're going to have to punt it. Um, so out comes Pat McAfee. Okay, um, so one one would then argue that he would be one of the people that could talk about how people being small uh, in their profession isn't a good look uh, in that regard, too. But, I mean, it's just so silly, right? He just wanted to get something out of Adam Cole, and he got it. He's also a whole one inch taller than Adam Cole. One whole inch. Uh, Yeah. 
So it just seemed like maybe he was trolling, and then Adam Cole just got pissed because maybe he didn't realize. I would uh, suggest Adam Cole is so good at his job, this is a work. But yeah. it came across like a shoot for that very reason. He's that good at what he does. I, I, I would say that as well for the most part. It does surprise me that he dropped a bunch of F-bombs because uh, for it to be a full WWE work, they probably would have had him censor at least a little bit. But the grand scheme of things, Pat McAfee, um, which is how you pronounce his name, McAfee. Um, <laughs> you know, like uh, the software. Yeah, like McAfee software, or I don't know exactly how it's spelled. Listen, guys, I'm from Quebec, okay? So I was thinking French as well, like me cafe uh, kind of thing. All right, leave me alone. Go on. <laughs> I I also like McDonald's coffee, so you're okay. You Which mean? is McCafe. <laughs> You mean McDonald's? <laughs> McDonald's. It's technically McDonald's, okay? So, complex. But in, in Canada, it's called Le Grande de McDonald's. <laughs> Definitely not. No Royale no. with cheese? No, that's, that's just something in a, in a Tarantino film. That's all that. <laughs> and in Petty, especially not uh, not in That's Quebec. What he was doing Quebec. when he said Kofifi. He was just speaking Canadian. Yeah, but uh, diplomacy. So, so the fact that Pat McAfee has a long-standing relationship with WWE, he's been used on their pre-shows, kickoff shows for for pay-per-views a lot. Right. Uh, it really does, to me, imply that this is a work. However, it could have been one of those uh, where they they shot themselves into a work sort of a thing. Um, or worked that's themselves what I'm thinking. Or, or worked themselves into a shoot, you know, uh, where where it it threw Adam Cole a little bit over the edge and he blew up. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, was... uh, NFL punter calling someone small for their their job is is irony at its best. So there like was. A... It reminds me of a, of a couple really good events in history that are good examples of this in terms of working into a shoot with a guy who isn't really known for wrestling, uh, for being on, on involved in wrestling. Uh, the Andy Kaufman and uh, uh, Jerry Lawler thing was a shoot, was a work that kind of became a shoot, but was still a work. Um, or maybe it was a, they shot themselves into a work, I don't know. I don't know exactly how that one went, and there's still a lot of question about that. And then, of course, the Vader blowing up on... That was on late-night TV. Who was it? Do you remember, Smarks? Oh, I'm totally blanking on it. And that one may have been a shoot, because he didn't really say... He, he took offense to wrestling is fake, not wrestling is scripted. And Bully Ray also commented on the situation, too. He basically mentions what we're all just saying. He's like, I do think it might have been real. I think he just maybe caught Cole on the, on the right day and pushed enough of the right buttons to get that response. He's like, but if you're a WWE superstar or as... Uh, uh, if you're a WWE superstar as you are, as I was, is that behavior is acceptable by WWE? And then the WWE can turn around and go, okay, you know something, Pad? We've been really good to you. We've allowed you to do all these things, announce on our shows. We have a great relationship. Uh, things have always been wonderful, yada, yada, yada. Why? 
uh, did you ever feel the need to throw any digs at Adam Cole that way? So that's also why I feel like because he's been with the WWE for quite a while and um, doing all these various things, there wouldn't be really a reason for him to poke the bear like that. Either. The indicator to me that it's a work, 100%, is they said you wouldn't have gotten where you are without your faction. Factions are what make pro wrestling so very, very good and what make long runs valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without Heyman, um, without Heyman, Brock Lesnar's long runs are well they're moot because he doesn't speak well at all but um and and i don't know that he could do a promo without saying the f-bomb on live television but um on top of that then you have the the aspect that that's that that is what made he made undisputed era work and undisputed era made him work and that's okay like yeah yeah but i've i've heard enough interviews from adam cole that yeah, Adam Cole knows that his job is to make other people look good and still be the heel. Like he's a modern right. day version of, of uh, Ric Flair. Right. And also to that point as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know what I was about to say actually. My bad. Good job. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Good. Hey, that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's I pretty much. I can't see that being the shoot. I can't see it starting as a shoot. It may have been worked into a shoot. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It just seems to. I don't, I'm sure him and Cole are buddies or something, and they said, "Oh, let's kind of do this thing." And it would. That's what I want to say. So it would work really well. Whether it is or isn't, we'll never know now, because I'm sure WWE is going to turn this into a complete storyline. If it was from the get-go, great. Then they're still doing it. But Cole lost his championship, right? So now they're going to make this whole thing. They're probably going to make him a little bit more crazy. So maybe it's kind of going to be a change within his character because he's not the same cool because he doesn't have the title anymore. And I'm sure they're going to make this whole little thing where he's just going to spaz out on people more and so on and so forth since he doesn't have the title. So WWE will... I see using it as that way. If it wasn't a shoot, and they'll be like, "Oh, look what he did to this guy," and on his podcast, and da da da, da. they won't have to. They probably won't show all the f bombs or whatever. They'll just show like the parts where you know he's just pissed off, and then muted it. But for sure, it's definitely what we'll never really know if it was a shoot or work or not, because now it's literally just WWE's going to take a real life story and make it make it a storyline. For sure. So shizzle. Oh, Why does Snoop Dogg always carry an umbrella? Oh, drizzle. Oh, drizzle. Uh, oh, drizzle. <laughs> uh, uh, one of my favorite dad jokes of all time. Oh, drizzle. Okay, I think we've gotten a little bit off the rails, so let's <laughs> let's go ahead. That's and what the, that's what the fans were really waiting for was the off the rails moment. <laughs> that one. Yeah. Uh, don't forget I'm, that you can visit us. <laughs> on Twitter. Yes, follow us on Twitter. I am at Raw and Order WBU. DA Fabe is at at DA Vincent K Fabe. And of course, JLB is at JLB420. Real Talk Radio is the brand at Real Talk Radio 8. Anchor.fm slash RTR. Real Talk Radio dot online is also the website. Um, yeah, that, that's my uh, social medias. And then when you're done following us on Twitter, make sure to like, share, and subscribe the podcast on whatever platform you use. Click that subscribe button or like button or whatever it's called. 
so that you get notified whenever we post new episodes. Share it on your social media so other people can hear about our wonderfulness and all that. Um, that's the easiest and cheapest way to support us. But if you uh, have a little well, bit of money, like you, throw money. you can also go to our merch store, shop.spreadshirt.com slash raw and order WVU. Order one of our shirts or we even have masks. Want to get one of your coronavirus masks to support us? Go through there. Um, or, I think it's time for me to order a not a cop mask. <laughs> you can also go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash raw and order WBU and support us that way. We are actually getting ready to close the poll on uh, what classic pay-per-view for us to review this month. And then we will go watch it and, and get together and talk about that at some point. So that's one of the perks of being a Patreon there. But on that note, we will close the book on the Wrestling Booking Unit for this week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will see you soon with a visit from the FBI. This is Carpool Shenanigans with Justin Mitch. A show about two friends telling stories and making history with everything created and recorded in the car during our commute to and from work. So hop in and put your strap on on. Let's get weird. <laughs>